about to listen to an original podcast concerning the early 2018 death of Charlottesville resident Molly Miller. The purpose of this podcast is to inform and educate. It is not to be confused with a legal investigation. Opinions expressed are solely those of the participants. The following contains adult themes. Listener discretion is advised. So we're back with another follow-up. These things are becoming quite regular, if I do say so myself. I know somebody who was able to run background checks on many of the people that are involved in this operation, and we came up with some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, interesting. You know, in some ways, Ross, it's funny. Each time we say we're going to put this to bed, this is going to be the end of it, there's always new material and new information. I want to preface this before you get into what you found in these background checks. In many ways, this really stopped being so much about Molly Miller and more on the people that surrounded her in the final years of her life. And the reason that this is brought up so often is because these people certainly did have an impact on her life. And again, we always came from the premise that her death was not properly investigated. And these were people of interest that should have been at least questioned by the police. And again, to the best of our knowledge, based on years of research at this point, nobody ever contacted these people. And her association with these people was not a secret by any means. It wasn't. Well, the first person is a female. This person has numerous aliases, which flagged her in numerous locations. Oh, yes. New Jersey, New York, Texas, Florida. This immediately flagged the person who did the background checks. He goes, is this a prostitute? Yeah, I remember him asking. He immediately wondered if this woman was a sex worker. And And This um, person claims to have been a UVA law grad, but is not. (laughs) They, yeah, yeah. Uh, her LinkedIn page claimed that she had a law degree from UVA uh, Law School, and I thought this was pretty bold. She even joined an alumnus group. It was not affiliated with the University of Virginia, but she joined, and she was never an attendee of UVA Law School, and certainly not the class uh, that she claimed to graduate with. I know that for a fact because I actually am friends with a woman who graduated the year that she claims to have graduated from, and this woman, no, never attended. Well, she cut and pasted something from the law school catalog class. Yeah, word for word on her resume, which was very um, unusual. That was her resume. That was it. Well, you know, she also claimed to to finish law school in two years. UVA does not offer a two-year law school program. And also, too, this was kind of surprising. She claimed that she had completely, she would have been, I think, about if assuming that she, again, this woman has multiple birth dates and multiple ages that she claims to be, but her current one, she claims to have, based on her current age, she would have had to have been, I think, 22 or 23 when she completed a two-year law degree. And we don't know her age, but she's a lot older than she's telling people. Yeah, she she, she is. That that goes without saying. But yeah, she claimed to complete a three-year program in two years. And also she claimed to specialize in a particular form of law. You you don't do that when you get a JD. Oh, oh and she, there's no evidence that she ever took the bar exam or is licensed as an she attorney. She did go to law schools, basically. What comes no, I don't think she ever even set foot on the common, law school campus. This is a common campus. thread that we keep seeing that a grandiose claim... Yes. Absolutely false. Oh, she also claimed, too, this is too funny not to share, that she was the legal administrator for a university. I mean, it's funny because when you see. Another grandiose claim. Another grandiose claim because when you saw the other people that actually did graduate from UVA Law School, they had jobs that one would expect associates in various firms, you know, people that were just. 
you know, starting out, but already she was the administrator for a top university. Yeah, okay. Whatever. Plus, you know, um, I hate to break it to her, but uh, you do at least you do have to have at least a bachelor's degree to get admittance into UVA Law School and nearly every other law school in the United States of America. So she just magically went to law school. And I think we found out we couldn't even find any evidence that this woman even graduated from high school. No, we didn't find any evidence of any education degrees or anything like that. Not only she claimed to be from UVA Law and not many aliases, and we also found out a history of being in the Witness Protection Program. That was strange. That was shocking. Even the person, because I didn't even know I could find this, you know, don't know what that's about, but that is definitely true. It appeared, um, based on the person who did this background check, that she might have been tossed out of the Witness Protection Program or left it at some point. Maybe left it at some point is the best way to say, yeah. Um, You know, sometimes you witness something, they put you in for a while. But whatever that came up, and I have no idea how that you can find something like that out. That person also runs a tarot card psychic stuff on her. Yeah, some sort of wellness sort of thing. I mean, ba- basically, wow. Um, no, it's more than wellness. It's more psychic stuff to wellness. Oh, yes. And, and, and all, all this, she's all, all this woo-woo sort of stuff. Yeah, I mean. She's running out of France. She's not in France. And she may or may not be married. Yeah, about that, her that's, married. yeah, yeah. She uh, that that was another a, thing that comes up. These people may or may not be married. Yeah, that's, that's really it's, it's a very strange thing. But one thing is, is that um, she was at least according to Edward Thomas uh, in control of his finances. Uh, that never made uh, too much sense to me. Apparently, it had to do with what the sales of his art. Um, he claimed that she was well, in charge of a, a PayPal a backup, account, a backup yoga instructor. Yeah. As a living. Yeah. And various residences, which were actually commercial residences. Yeah, that she cited in Charlottesville. Yes. I mean, she is just one of these people that um, she's probably the most enigmatic person out of this This trio. Various names, various claims. I mean, she even claimed to be living in different continents at the same time. So go figure. One thing that is worth noting, though, is that she definitely did know Molly Miller. That was confirmed independently by three or four people. And apparently, quote, Molly very much disliked this person. Very much. I never heard why. But uh, even Edward Thomas, before he died, said that they very much much disliked each other and you know again it makes you wonder how would they have known each other particularly well, she, if even half of this woman's lives were were real why, why how would they be associating with each other she came from a, a bigger area a larger city and was doing this and this came down to this small pond and became a big fish and running basically <laughs> involved in prostitution that, that's what it was rumored i mean yeah. th- apparently she that, did tell three people like yeah, paper, yeah. that's what it looks like on paper she did I tell believe that's what it looks like. uh, well she told three people independently again three people independently told me that she claimed that um she had been quote a high-end call girl that was the wordage that was used so yeah she um was a person of considerable interest that um again we nothing was ever to the best of my knowledge she was never questioned never asked and uh she would have been one of the people that um based on uh, our investigation she was in regular contact with molly miller well you know what's interesting i remember on social media we found a picture of her saying she was in paris in the yeah picture. and it was she was not in paris she it's was in actually in the, yeah she was actually in the back back uh backyard of edward thomas's house so you know well i don't know about you russ but i always compare you know confuse paris with fife yeah they're so similar said no one ever.
Another person who we believe is high up in this operation is a female. It doesn't oh, matter her. what her name is because we do not know. The name that she's using is not her name. I don't think she probably knows her real name at this point in time. She, uh, used a social security number that was last used in the 70s to pay a water bill in Detroit. That's the name she's yeah. using. Stolen identity. Yeah. Stealing identity is pretty bad. Stealing identity <laughs> is pretty bad, and it's very common amongst a lot of these people. Yeah. And this person has constantly come up as one of the people that may be running this oper- this sex trafficking operation. Yeah, the, the claim that Molly Miller was sex trafficked. Well, I mean, yeah, she. Th- this person's name was uh, mentioned very frequently and very often. All right, this other person is a male. He kind of threw himself into this mess, he which did. is an interesting really thing did. because we we weren't even thinking about him. But director, he he's a director of this art and entertainment place. Claims to have had a. A degree from an Ivy League school when he actually spent just a semester there. Yeah. He never graduated. Um, worked as a machinist for the most part. Yeah. Had 19 or more W-2s in one year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's 19 different jobs in one year. That's pretty unusual. Uh, and, you know, I just want to interject. At first, uh, I just kind of considered, I, I knew who this person was in passing. I didn't really think much of them. I thought they were grandiose and probably prone to exaggeration. That's probably an understatement. But the reason this person became a person of interest is because he interjected himself into this. He threw himself into the story. And, and again, you have to wonder, well, okay, what was his connection to this? Why was he even hanging out with these people? Again, it's one of those great mysteries. A number of females have said they've had uncomfortable experiences with this guy. Yeah. Uh, he claims to have invented an iconic commercial of the 90s. No, he didn't. Yeah, that he that was actually that, proven that that did not happen. And has been called one of the most powerful people in Charlottesville, which... It makes you wonder who else was in the running for that. Well, really? Very, very wow. subjective thing to, to get. Uh, <laughs> Wow, that, that's almost like me calling myself the greatest podcaster of all time. You know, yeah. really? Wow. Um, and has had several records expunged. Yes, that that was an that was an interesting point. Yeah. What it flagged the person who did this is that it was somebody whose daddy had money or connections, or both. Got into that Ivy League school for a semester, and discovered him his way out. And, now and he ended up here in Charlottesville. And why he, you know, decided to throw himself into this mess, uh, I I do not know. I don't even think he knows. Uh, this one person who I know you don't like is the person that goes down the rabbit hole. Oh, yes. Several gambling debts, frequent visits to Vegas. Nothing wrong with that, but, I mean, if you're going on the regular, I mean, <laughs> you got to wonder. Yeah. He's not going there for any kind it's of It's not like it seems like he's got really good luck. I mean, I'll just he, say that. He doesn't. Claims to have graduated from UVA comm school. Has no college degree whatsoever. Not even community college that we could verify. Can't even find employment records. No. Nope. Multiple... It, evictions. Yes, including uh, ones in Charlottesville, including ones that happened uh, shortly after uh, the death of Molly Miller. And he was definitely in contact with Molly Miller. And there was actually photographic evidence that um, I saw that um, showed him at these infamous parties with her. Next person is actually somebody who we found out was attending these parties. And believe it or not, it's a female. Not that surprising. I mean, well, this person is known by a lot of people in Charlotte. Oh, that was surprising too. Yes, considering this person is pretty high profile for a town this small, and is somebody who really wants to be the center of attention. Claims to have a master's of fine arts from a college that she's actually banned from because 
Yes. At, at an incident where it basically got banned from campus for threatening and also for plagiarism, wasn't it? Yeah, plagiarism and also threatening an admin a person, which is, you know, that is quite remarkable that you can manage to get banned from an entire campus. But and was forced to seek psychiatric treatment. Yeah. In a in a hospital setting. Yeah. And, um. Yeah. Honored by the Tom Tom Fest at one point. Also vandalize a John McCain bus. Yeah, I think slash the tires. I mean, yeah, that's uh, what. Slash bus tires. I don't know. I mean, I mean we, we've been pondering that. You would actually need something really sharp, like a machete, because bus tires, they're meant to go over nails, all sorts of things, you know. Well, not only that, but uh, I mean, that's not a, a quick and easy thing to do. You got to think about the mindset of somebody who feels they have to go vandalize. I guess it was a campaign bus. Yeah, it? yeah, it yeah, was a drama came, uh, it campaign bus. Bro, I believe. Well, you kind of have to remember. Too, you kind of have to bear in mind too that this was a person who, um, you know, we found this information. It was not that difficult to obtain, and yet this is somebody who was lauded as a powerful, influential person in Charlottesville. You think they would have at least um, managed to check their sources, but. Right. Yes, this this person was definitely a friend of um, of Edward uh, Thomas's. And by the way, Edward's background uh, certainly brought up some very interesting surprises. Some were uh, things that I already knew, like for instance, he had never been gainfully employed that we could find. But it also appears that Edward had a record uh, that was expunged. Don't know what he those expunged. Big old money too. Yeah, that's what he. Um, yes, he was very proud of that. That's what he claimed to to me at least. He, and he did. He came from an extremely um, educated, you know, accomplished family. Then, and this was really quite disturbing. When he died, I did have several people approach me with various uh, anecdotes about him and various stories. And of course, you know, you you take things with a grain of salt. Can these be proved? But um, multiple sources confirmed that he had had multiple allegations of sexual assault against him, going all the way back to the '90s. Uh, that did appear to be quite true. And also, uh, I had one person approach me saying that those um, infamous parties were very well known and that, and again, he's dead now, so um, perhaps some people feel more comfortable saying this, that it was known at these parties that the girls there were pros and that apparently the uh, kitchen table was stacked high with drugs and money was the quote that I heard. I was not really that shocked if you went to these parties that um, most of the girls there were pros and that, you know, apparently there were allegedly there were um, drugs and money, money being for the girls services piled high on the kitchen table. So and drugs to pay off the girls and also. Yes. For the party goers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of things go hand in hand with all that stuff. And he did have a habit of uh, recording and videotaping people. That's, that, that's, that, that's not part. an allegation. He um, he actually, I, I was there a few times when he was recording people without their permission. He showed me afterwards that he had recorded people. I was really very uncomfortable by that. And also, too, just in emails, he would forward me emails without the permissions of, of other people. Uh, I remember one case, somebody even said, please do not forward my emails. And another conversation time when somebody asked him point blank, Am I being recorded? And he forwarded that to me. I did not never use that information in podcasts because I never, I did not feel comfortable with information that did, was not consensually given. Just to but put that out there. But it seems to me that when you keep these videos and audios on somebody, from what I understand, it's completely illegal to do both. Yeah, you, you can, my understanding is, and sorry if there's any lawyers out there who want to leave uh, messages or correct yeah. me on this, my understanding is just that you can have audio or video, but you cannot have both. But with that, 
there's a possibility that people were being blackmailed and their professions, services, talents, whatever, were also being used to their advantage. Absolutely. Uh, Edward did like to have information on people. He liked to, perfectly frank, he liked to have dirt on people. That was his currency. I mean, I spent uh, hundreds of hours interviewing this man, and that was very much a part of his character. He loved having, you know, that information on people. And, um, you know, and and, uh, actually, after he died, I did call the police to tell them about video there. I don't know. I never heard back if anything was done, but I did wonder, uh, particularly what I was told, if there was not video footage of perhaps uh, people that were underage, or perhaps there were even some crimes that had been recorded. But um, I do know that he did have hidden cameras in that house, and I know that he had monitors. I know because he showed me. That is, he showed me the monitors and he showed me the hidden cameras. I never actually saw video footage from these parties, but he did tell me that he had it and that he kept them on, um, kept them on various drives, I think, like thumb drives. So we know money changed hands. We know these girls were doing work. Well, we're at the point now where we're not even saying allegedly because this has been proven. So we got bad people here in Charlottesville that people think are good people, have a lot of clout in the neighborhood. One thing I just kind of want to bring up is the reactions we've gotten from the podcast of basically people pushing us to do more. Yeah, I would say it really falls into two camps. I mean, it's it's two extremes. On one hand, we have gotten a lot of really positive feedback. People want to hear more. They, they We've actually been criticized as, why are you holding back? You know, tell us more, tell us more. And of course, there's those that think that this is just terrible. This is horrible. How dare us do this? Well, you know, in answer to that last question, how dare us do this? We're doing this because, one, we can and we do feel that this is a matter of public interest. You know, it's also very eye-opening, too. I'll never understand why this woman's death was never given a proper investigation. I I will go on record and say I do not think that this was properly investigated. A lot of people outside of Charlottesville are saying, really? Like my cousin who was the cop says, you you know, who handled this Barney Fife investigation? But the people that I talk to in Charlottesville say, oh, yeah, Charlottesville cover up anything. Now, does that mean the city? That means the people? Does that mean both? And it also makes you wonder, what exactly were they covering up? I mean, that's that's always been one question. That... Well, I think it was, it was more of like, this looks bad. Let's pretend it doesn't exist. And also, too, looks bad for whom? I mean, we're... That's true. Yeah, that, that, that is the that is thing. But there, that... there is a strict division between people in Charlottesville. Um, oh, absolutely. Some people are saying, that, yeah, this stuff probably goes on and it's being covered up. They don't want the place to look bad. I, I don't know because I, I you know I would I would argue to those think it looks really bad when again you have a police force that could not even find a woman that was dead in her own closet after spending tens of thousands of dollars searching for this woman after getting the local media on this which they should do when somebody is missing and this woman all that time was supposedly in that bedroom closet. Now the media really failed on this one and I don't know if that was a mistake or not but like I told you nothing happens between Christmas and New Year and this happened and it was open and closed it was open and closed and i think it also really um i think you can really make the argument about what i see as this um 
real sort of tug of war between the media as um, investigation versus entertainment. We've said, you know, from the very first episode, this case had all the elements of great entertainment. You had a very beautiful um, young uh, white woman who was missing. And, you know, at first it was portrayed that she was living this very idyllic life. And a this, yuppie life. Yeah, a lot, yuppie life, yes, in a, in a gentrified uh, community. And, you know, that she was she was snatched because originally the mother uh, said that she she thought that her daughter had been snatched and you know so th- that's definitely an entertainment there but and yet you know the investigative part as we've said was the fact that nobody bothered to look at this information nobody bothered to everybody took this as a fact and did not never actually did any sort of investigation and it, w- it wasn't just when she was missing and again to not to keep bringing this point up, but the local public radio station piece that came out after Molly was missing from a, quote, so-called friend of the couple that numerous people said, I can't recall this guy ever hanging around them. I, I can't recall ever meeting them, uh, meeting this person saying, well, that Molly was small. It made perfect sense that she was not found in that home. And she was five feet nine and a half, nine or five feet nine and a half, depending upon what you what I, what you hear. She Anyway, she was this tall, willowy woman that was, you know, again, found in a bedroom closet. The door shut. On day three. And this person does deserve to be called out for saying that she had cancer. No, she didn't. Well, we had heard crotum. Mm-hmm. We had heard cancer. Mm-hmm. We heard suicide. Mm-hmm. What else did we hear? There's, oh, numerous. There's probably the three that came out, but no one said, wait a minute, they're claiming three different I don't know things. where the, I, the the cancer rumor is one that just simply will not quit no matter what. One rumor was is that she had uh, uterine cancer, and then another man came forward and said that actually it was breast cancer. In fact, he claimed that he took her to cancer treatments, and when pressed, he said, well, no, I, I think I took her to uh, the hospital. I think then he switched it to urgent care, and I said, well, did you see her medical records? At first, he said yes. Then he said no. See, that's, that's just a blatant sign of everybody not getting on the same page and blatant lies. Well, that was That's, a very, that, that was an extremely weird encounter uh, to go on that. So one man who um, I had reached out to, he was rumored to be one of the other uh, people that she was seeing besides the living boyfriend. I had reached out to him actually, I think at least two or three different occasions, never heard from him. And all of a sudden out of the blue, uh, I get a friend request. I'm like, what is going on? And I start getting messages from him. Oh, hi, I just remembered that you contacted me. Um, okay, sure. And the most amazing thing, I quickly ruled out that this man was not very credible, was that he was just throwing everybody on, uh, under the bus saying, well, you know, I had nothing to do with this, but if somebody did, if she, if she didn't commit suicide, it was this person, it was that person. It, it was almost in some ways um, very comical because these were supposedly his friends that he's accusing of some pretty horrible deeds. But he was somebody that just, you know, again, was very adamant that, oh, no, um, she, she had cancer. Yeah, he claimed she had breast cancer. The story just kept changing over and over. Finally, he admitted. Uh, He did admit. Well, no, I never actually saw her medical records. I never actually saw a cancer diagnosis, but um, I did see her when she was sick. He actually claimed that he spoke to the police, too. He claimed that he was a suspect. Uh, No, he was not a suspect. There was only one person that was ever questioned as a potential suspect when she was uh, declared missing, and that was Edward Thomas. It was not this man. Uh, He also, you know, interestingly enough, too... 
take it with a grain of salt, but he did confirm that, um, which, you know, again, I already knew this, that Edward Thomas was indeed a drug dealer and dealed uh, in things that were much heavier than uh, marijuana. Than marijuana. Right. The, the common theme, <laughs> yeah. though, is that there's some grandiose claims that turn out to be complete lies. Yeah. Unachievable lies. Yeah. Lack of employment in a lot of these people. Uh, none of these people actually had jobs. That was the thing that, that was just uh, interesting. I mean, their employment history was was pretty much non-existent. And residencies, and we don't know where certain people lived, and certain people claiming you know, places on Main Street that are zoned for commercial use as their several commercial... Yeah, places that they were claiming they lived in as apartments or lived in as homes. No, that was not the case. So this is what was going on when Molly was found, basically. Yeah, I mean, this pretty much was her world. These were not people that she just had casual encounters with. Again, these were people that she was around for years. And these were people were definitely people that she interacted with. This This was her group. And again, none of these people were ever questioned when she was missing. And none of these people were not deemed to be very relevant by the investigators. 2014 seems to be the common year. Yeah, it seems that everything kind of happened in 2014. Uh, they did move from one location to Edward's house. Oh, yes. And a lot of people knew about it. One other revelation that we found is that Edward said in his interview that he was, you know, had never been part of the of kink. That was his word. He said, no, I, I'm not into kink. He adamantly denied that when um, I had two people say that actually, yes, he was involved in organizations that catered to that well before 2014 i mean going back to like the early 2000s even even the, even the 1990s and again this isn't to shame anyone for their you know well, their, they their were sexual in, they were in your community they, 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 I mean, you need to know that these people do infiltrate your community again my my personal opinion is you know as long as everyone's a consenting adult but it is another example of edward thomas lying about his background and uh, saying that he had no affiliation with that. And and interestingly enough, two of the people that uh, you mentioned, Russ, they were asked to leave alternative lifestyle groups right. because of what was deemed as predatory behavior. And that's why they went to these groups. My take on this is I don't think they were interested in alternative lifestyles. I think they were very interested in preying upon people. That That's not to, you know, again, this is not to condemn anyone that's into alternative lifestyles, that's into fetishism, that's into kink. This is really, my, my issue with this is people that prey upon other people and people that completely disregard the rules of alternative lifestyles which is about consent and it was about respect right i mean that's basically i mean they were in your community and you need to know that they various people around the country need to know that these communities can be infiltrated by crafty people like this with predatory intentions extremely predatory intentions and and you know that is the most disturbing thing is to hear how many people um claim to have been victims by these people or claim that they were friends of people that were preyed upon by these by these individuals. I mean, this makes me wonder why some of these people are not uh, are not serving time for, for some pretty serious for things like assault. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we have really been pushed and pushed by people. Get another episode out. Get another episode out. Yeah, and one thing and I want that wonder, goes out to Kristen, by the way. I know she's listening, but and one thing. 
every I, day she comes to me, get another episode out, get another episode out. And, well, and one thing I want to preface again, Russ and I are not professional podcasters if such a thing exists. Russ is a former investigative reporter. I am a former writer. Um, you, you know, we have done all of this ourselves. It's, it's, it is just the two of us. Again, we, we aren't professional podcasters that have a budget for a assistance. investigative reporter. I just was a reporter. Again, I just want to emphasize that, you know, Russ and I are former professional writers and we have done, we, we when it comes to an investigative team, it is basically just us. We did have one person who was incredibly helpful. We had, a, actually, we had, I'm sorry, take that back. We had two people that were incredibly helpful gathering information and background reports, but that is, all of us are volunteers. None of us are making money. Well, what's interesting is we have five people invested in this yes. working on this yes with with no operating budget no. so yeah we're not going to name them no <laughs> people do know about the podcast that's what really sh- we're traveled fast and people are aware of it and people come up to us and talk to us about it all the time we are listening to you we yes. just got you your podcast episode that you've been hassling us for yes but we just are not going to put something on the air without any substance i mean Support that. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I want to say to the people that have supported this project, thank you uh, from the very beginning. And the reason we continue to do this, then the reason we continue to press through is the fact that, again, we feel that this is important and we feel that this woman's death does deserve a proper investigation. I personally, I don't care that it's been three years. When you really think of it, uh-huh. three years is a pretty short amount of time. And I just have always said, if this woman's death is not properly investigated, who's to say that, you know, if you're a victim of crime, you might not be properly That's investigated. That's exactly it. Well, yeah. how many people haven't? How many people haven't? Yes. And the only reason, you know, again, that we are aware of this is because of the large amount of media attention that this got when this young woman was declared missing. What's interesting is, you know, I, I get feedback from outside of Charlottesville mm-hmm. and people inside of Charlottesville. People from outside of Charlottesville is like, how did this go on and all these leaks, all these loose ends and all this stuff was never investigated. They opened and closed this in three days. Yeah. They're okay with finding someone's body on day three hanging in a closet with the door shut by a belt, which is very highly unlikely, what I've been told, as a, as a way to commit suicide. Yeah. It would have to be a rope. Then, you know, I get that from the outside, like, what is going on there? And then from the inside, I was like, yeah, this stuff happens and it gets covered up and this is how we live in Charlottesville. Well, I had somebody that listened to the podcast for the first time recently said that, you know, you could even make the case that if sex work were legal, there wouldn't be a need to traffic people the way that th- these young women were trafficked. And I think that is a really relevant point. Or, and it's also the fact, too, this person has lived in Charlottesville for well over a decade, said that people were very much aware of what was going on. And frankly, they just did not care. That in one case, supposedly, there was even somebody there that was underage, and they just did not care. And the fact that everybody thought that they could just keep this a secret and everyone could just party hardy is really quite astounding. The people that were trafficked, and they were trafficked, basically had psychiatric issues that were not being addressed, or drug issues that were not being addressed, and they got taken advantage of. It's easy to take advantage of somebody in that type of situation, and they did it, and they're looking for it. That's how they operate. Absolutely. Uh, And if you talk to anyone in trafficking, they say, yeah, that's pretty much how the pimps operate. Yeah. And it's right here in Charlottesville. And it wasn't just the pimps, but it was also the people that were using these girls as as sexual partners. The the Johns, pimps and Johns. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting, too, because, you know, the people that were taking advantage of these girls, not all of them were men. There There were more than a few women that were also involved in this as well. I do hope that someday this case is given a proper investigation. 
Well, the police chief is gone. Yeah, she is. Brittany is she, gone. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to touch this, even spoke out against it, this podcast. I thought that was really interesting. Because she, uh, I'll say this much, it is interesting to see what she chose to comment on. And I really thought that with everything else that was going on, for someone who said that her goal was to dismantle white supremacy, her goal was to, you know, make big sweeping changes. I will say this much. I do think that for someone who said that her number one goal was to dismantle white supremacy and make sweeping changes, that she still took the time out to criticize a podcast that she did not listen to and that was written by somebody who was unknown. Well, as of the recording of this podcast, there have been three openings in Charlottesville. The police chief was gone. Yes. So there's an opportunity for you to go to your government and give some input on what you like your next police chief to do. City manager's gone. Yeah. And the communications director's now gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they've elected new members to the city council, which means some city councilors are going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Will this accomplish anything? I don't know. But to make something happen, the time to do it is now. Yeah, I just want to say personally, after having spent really almost, oh, wow, coming on two and a half years of my life investigating this, I would like it if somebody else investigated this and just would, you know, be able to, particularly if had they had more time and resources to really find that. I do think it's astounding that the only two people that ever really looked into this uh, and really to the best of my knowledge, thought, hmm, something is really wrong here. Let's find out what's going on. We're you and me. Well, it remains to be seen if somebody else does pick it up. I don't know why other people haven't jumped on this story. Like I've said many times, the fact is is that we are covering it, Mm -hmm. and we are the ones who've kept it going. And people outside of Charlottesville are developing an opinion, and people inside of Charlottesville are saying, no, that's the status quo. That's how things go around here. And they see a certain hypocrisy. The Charlottesville residents see a certain that have talked to me, there's a certain hypocrisy that is standard in Charlottesville. I would agree with that. I mean, the thing that has always bothered me is that with Molly and, and these other girls that were involved in, in this in this lifestyle, it's sad to know that there's always going to be a steady stream of girls to replace them. There were girls before them, and there, there were girls after that, that as long as people you know, continue to turn a blind eye to this or continue to think, oh, well, that's fine, you know, you're going to see this cycle. In my opinion, oh. someone is being protected. I can't disagree with that. Well, in the meantime, I mean, we'll continue to put out uh, new material as we get. And yeah, I think we'll be overwhelmingly people are just really interested in this. Absolutely. I used to say to you jokingly, we can't quit this case. I actually think it's this case that can't quit us because, really again, is. every single time we say, well, this is the final episode. We've gone as far as we can. There is always new information that comes to light. Yeah. So if you have any information, you want to contact us, what's the email address? Uh, missingmollypodcast at gmail.com. Again, right. that's missingmollypodcast at gmail.com. And, um, you know, again, we uh, want to thank our listeners. Thank you for being with us on this long, strange journey. Yeah, I, there's a lot of people we have to give support to, a lot we, of we podcasters do. out there. Yes. I want to thank Our production everyone. team, are the people who've done research on their own the time. The five that are yes. working this. yes. It's just interesting that most of the people that are working this either are not affiliated with Charlottesville mm-hmm. or they are and just sick of it. Yeah. There's a certain fed upness with the mentality around here. But none of them were really born and raised here. No. Yeah. No, no, we, we, we weren't. And, and they don't come from that woke culture that's going on. And then we can go off about that, 
you know, there's some good aspects to being decent to each other, I think. But there's also a fad mentality to this woke culture. I, I think it's I think it's a good thing, you know, to be decent to each other. I think there's a good thing about actually, you know, being aware of things like, um, you know, being aware of, uh, of things like racial inequality, uh, gender inequality and things like that. The thing that that really makes me upset are these people who mouth that they they they, 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 well, they, they talk the talk, but they do not walk the walk. I mean, and again, so many people this is not outing anyone, but so many of the people that that claim to be so progressive, that claim to be so woke, were at these parties. They were participating in the exploitation of these girls. And their good deeds in one area do not make up for their bad deeds in this area. Well, Edward Thomas claimed to be incredibly woke, incredibly progressive. He was neither. I can say that after having spent uh, enough time around him to interview that. And he definitely was somebody who was... um. You know, could say the right things and could speak in the right sound bites, but in his own life was the complete opposite of that, of everything he professed to be. As is many of the people that were involved, as we just explained. Exactly. Yeah. It's a pretty watered-down information that we gave compared to what we had. Yeah, compared... Oh, we oh, had some real... Oh, I my mean, gosh. We, we're just walking the safe line here. Yeah, we're we walking had, the safe line, but we had some stuff that was pretty explosive. And there are people in your community that you're around because you know this town isn't that big. We're all three degrees of separation or so apart mm-hmm. from each other. And I don't know, Charlottesville's on you. It is on you, Charlottesville. And I'm closing. Be very careful. You know, take, take people's stories with a grain of salt. You have a lot of people in this town who claim to be things that they absolutely are not. Thank you for listening to Missing Molly, an original podcast concerning the early 2018 death of Charlottesville resident Molly Miller. Opinions expressed have been solely those of the participants. Missing Molly was written and produced by Kimberly Lowe, with engineering and editing from Mike Friend. Original artwork from Natalie Jacobson. Music composed and performed by Sam Whedon. Digital assistance is from John Taylor. With special thanks to Todd Ely, Lori Goodbody, Stephanie Bottoms, Josh Bontrager, Tina Hicks, Courtney Stewart, Lloyd Snook, and Edward Thomas. For more information, you can contact Missing Molly Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs>